is at the only first Arkansas-based baby food company, but the mom who created it says all the ingredients come from Northwest Arkansas farms. I was working for a local television station as a broadcast news reporter. And then I met Dave. <laughs> and her changed. whole world changed. <laughs> Somebody invited me to Seattle just to learn about church planning for three days. Really instantly got gripped by this sense of lostness and darkness. Yeah, it's really just well known for a lot of new age, kind of Eastern religion. But if God's called us to this place, he's called us to plant our lives here. We did feel like God gave us a great affirmation and a sense of peace for mm -hmm. this particular spot for us to do his work. I just began going to a local park and I would meet moms and just talk. That really mm -hmm. set the groundwork for building these relationships that became friendships. Mm -hmm. And then we began meeting in our home. And then it grew. And then we made two groups. Yeah. And then that group. God really opened up doors at the community center. And so when we got there, we met in one little room in the community center. And we took the doors, you know, the sliding doors, and we met in two rooms. And then last fall, we moved to the gymnasium. Yeah, we have anywhere from 75 to 95 people on a Sunday morning, so it's exciting. We're, it's, it's thriving. When people give to missions, it may seem like this very generic offering, but it turns into very significant things that we can utilize to better help us do our ministry and our work here. I was a journalist, I was a news reporter, and, and those things defined me. God stripped all of that away, and so it taught me to find my identity in Christ. Because when we came up here, I, I didn't feel capable. You know, like Jesus and the fishermen, he was like, come on, I'm gonna call you, be fishers of men. It's truth, mm -hmm. and when we are able to just share that truth with people, it literally gives them hope. Good morning, and welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church. I'm Bob Sipper, Senior Pastor, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us and study God's Word. Over the past several weeks, we've been faced with a crisis in our nation and around the world with the coronavirus. As a church, we are monitoring the local, state, and federal authorities and receiving their recommendations for when we can gather again as a church body. We announced that April 5th would be our target date, but it is looking unlikely at this point. Therefore, we will get back to you by email and by phone bite and our other means of communication and let you know when we can safely join together as a church family and worship in a physical building together. Over the last several weeks, we thank you for being faithful in your giving. If you've not been able to give or haven't given yet, I want to encourage you to use our online portal through our website, or you can mail your check to the church office. We look forward to what God's going to do with the finances as our finance team stewards the offerings that are given to the church. Additionally, this video message can be found in several places, and I wanted to announce those because there were some issues this past week with finding the video message. You can find this message on Facebook. You can also find it on Right Now Media. If you'll go to the left side of the menu where the libraries are, go down to Ebenezer Baptist Church, you'll be able to click there and see several options for video.
for the video message. Lastly, you can go to our website and go to the Stay Healthy page, find the links to all the video venues and audio message and our resources for questions and sermon notes. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, I'm excited about our continued study from 1 Peter called Exiles. You remember Peter writes this and he's writing to a group of people that were kind of pushed out of their land, maybe by um, not so much pushed, by, but persecuted out of their land. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. He was in the, the middle of his job when Jesus entered the picture and made a statement that changed Peter's life. This is, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now it sounds pretty magical, pretty mysterious, if you will, for Peter to pick up all that he knew, he, his job, his family, his, his church, his residence, just to pick those up, set them aside, and follow Jesus. He was leaving everything and taking on something new. In fact, Peter's normal changed. At that instance, Peter's normal became different than the normal he had ever experienced. So when we talk about a changed normal, we also recognize that that's been part of our life for the last several weeks. We're not gathering in the sanctuary. We're not giving by passing the offering plate. We're not eating together like good Baptists do. Many are working from home, schools are closed, and buses are idle. The, the other thing is toilet paper is rolling off the shelf. Sorry. Normal has radically changed, but not like in Peter's story. Peter's story is a little bit different. In retrospect, we're able to see the physical changes that took place in Peter's life and, and understand that we may endure physical changes just like he did. But Peter's change is different. It's a radical change that was on the inside. It was an inward change because of giving his life to Christ. And when some come, someone comes to meet Jesus as Savior, things change. Last week, we talked about being a church that maintains unity because we are of the same mind. We're tenderhearted. We love each other. And we continue to move forward in humility. And then we also trust God by acknowledging the potential to suffer and the cause of Christ that is lifted up as we're willing to do that. And so the suggestions from last week were this, be faithful to the body, to connect, give, and pray. Secondly, to care exceedingly, and that may mean to call or write or, and contact others, and then to remain committed. This manner of doing church, doing life as we know it right now, will change and we must prepare to adjust to a different normal again. It's given us great opportunity to speak into some issues and to, to reach out to friends and to reach out to family. But it's different than what we had and it will be different again.
And so Peter is writing to a group of exiles whose normal has changed, just like his normal has changed. And he's calling them to stand out and to evangelize the group of people that they are now around. And he's saying this, he's saying there is a time for switching passions. We have to move from the passion of chasing things of the world to a passion for Christ. And then he's also going to talk about stewarding the grace that God gives. And so let's pray as we begin this morning. And, but let's first start with reading from 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that, through though, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Then in verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and we thank you for the challenge of your word in advance. God, help us to be faithful that what we hear from you, we will apply to our lives and we'll be obedient to follow you. Father, that we would be willing in advance to exchange our passions for this world, for your passion, for your mind. And so, God, I pray that you would work in us and mold us into the people of God you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this passage, we're going to see two things. The first one is switching passions. Number one is switching passions. And we look at that because of the example of Christ. It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. That's an interesting way of putting it for Peter, to arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. When I think of arming something, I'm thinking about taking a gun or grabbing some, something military and preparing for a war. But Peter doesn't say it exactly like that. He, he kind of puts it in this spiritual realm and he says, arm yourselves, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. The same way of, who's thinking? The same way of Christ's thinking. He was willing to suffer 
And so we get ready for battle by being willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. That may look different. And, and when we think about arming for something that is spiritual, we immediately think of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 6. It says to put on the full armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the schemes and the wiles of the devil. I mean, that's, that's a pretty incredible statement. Peter takes that and he, he says, put on the mind of Christ. Understand that this willingness to suffer was something that was going to pay big dividends, dividends in the scheme of eternity. So how is a believer to be armed? Well, when we think about suffering and the spiritual element, being armed means to submit to the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5 says this, Have the same mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, being equipped for spiritual battle does not release you from suffering but rather draws you closer to Christ. Paul wrote that he wanted to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. Listen to what it says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. When Peter writes this, he says to arm yourselves with the mind of Christ, the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, I started looking at that and I'm thinking, wait a minute, if, if we suffer, how do we cease from, from sin? That doesn't really make sense because I don't know anybody that has stopped sinning. Um, they may have suffered for the cause of Christ, but they still sin. So what in the world is Peter saying here? And Peter is saying, and the, this word cease means to, to um, be released from enticements. And so what Peter is actually saying, it's not an end of sinning, but it's a change of focus. See, when we're suffering for Christ, our mind is set on what God wants to do in our life. And when our mind is set on what God wants to do, the enticements of sin seem to fade. And so we put on the mind of Christ. That's the switch. That's the exchange. That's the substitution that we are looking for as the people of God. We move from human passions to passion for the will of God. And this begins to occur when we receive Christ. Peter mentions time in three occasions in this passage. Um, in verse 2, he says the rest of time. In verse 3, time that is past. In verse 7, the end of all things or the, the finish, if you will. And we already know that time is limited, it is short, and that time is not guaranteed. We know somebody or know somebody that knows somebody where we say their life has been cut short. Well, that's, that's not the way God works, but we see it that way because we see the finality of life and life on this earth. So what do you do when time matters in the economy of God? You put on the mind of Christ, you begin to exchange things. Peter writes, the time is past, 
the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. In other words, you've spent enough time and energy on living from the drive of earthly passions. Um, that, that idea is you've stayed on the trail long enough, it's time to take a different trail. And we get very familiar with trails. If, if you're into hiking at all, you recognize what has been trampled and what is fresh. And what Peter is writing, he's saying, quit following the crowd that has trampled the path and you've been staying on it. Change paths. Get on the path that is less traveled, the path that is of Christ's mind. And then Peter goes on and gives a list. Now it's not an all-inclusive list. So please understand that when you read this, you'd say, wait a minute, what? this has been left out or that has been left out. Understand that Peter is giving a list of some things that, that maybe rise to the top. But at any rate, it's a list of things, and it gets your mind to thinking of what would please God and what wouldn't please God. So here's the list. Sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Um, that word sensuality can be coupled with passions and its unbridled lust or excesses. Drunkenness means to have an excess of wine. Orgies is, in the Greek, it means riotous or carousing. It, when I think of that word, I kind of put it in terms of Mardi Gras New Orleans in the bad parts of Mardi Gras. And, and that's what I kind of picture in my mind. It's a very public display of riotous living. And then drinking parties, and, and that actually translates into a drinking banquet. You remember Belshazzar in in the book of Daniel. He was Nebuchadnezzar's son, and um, he threw a party, a drinking party. And at the end of chapter 4 of, of Daniel, um, Nebuchadnezzar makes a statement that God is able to do whatever he wants to do and humble and will humble whoever he wants to humble. Belshazzar calls in the temple vessels, and they're going to use those to drink from. And they begin to, to do that, and they begin to praise the gods of iron and wood and gold and silver. Immediately following that, when you read the text, it's that text where a, a finger is writing on the wall. It's the handwriting on the wall that Belshazzar sees, and he doesn't understand. But it, what it means is his kingdom is going to end. They call in Daniel. Daniel interprets it. And, and by night's end, Belshazzar's kingdom and his life has been turned upside down. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Peter, in this list of things, is not listing every possible sin for consideration. He's saying, here are some examples. Use your mind to think about other examples that would not please God. And when we focus on the don'ts, instead of what we are called to do as the people of God, we focus on the wrong things. Our culture, even the culture that we live in, assumes you should have the same desires as those around you. Have you ever noticed that? You have somebody that wants you to, 
that wants to pull you into something negative or pull you in to that which is not of God. And you are asked to make the adjustment to the standards of the world. Is our society charged with determining normative behavior? I would think not. In fact, the standard of God is so much higher. And it's so much better. Here's what it says. It says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. That word join means to rush together. It is the word centreco. And, and if we look at that and break that apart, it means to be in sync. That's the first part of that word. The second part is treco or a journey or a trek. What he's saying is they are asking you to be in sync with them on their journey. It's to be synced on course. And it's in a flood of debauchery or prodigality. It's the characteristics of the prodigal son that we read about in Luke. See, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Galatians 4.3, Paul writes, In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. The result is that before Christ, we were living according to the standards of our culture. And now, we choose to live according to God's Word. And when we do that, what Peter says is, they will malign you or they will begin to speak evil of you. It's interesting as we go forward in this in verse 5 that there's this transition that takes place between these passions, these cultural passions that Peter calls out and the mind of Christ. And, and look at the end of verse 4. It says, they will malign you. They will speak evil of you. And then verse 5 says, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead and though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. When we make this transition from verse 4 to verse 5, we're talking about a group of people in our culture that want to do according to the standards not of God, and they are judging you as you follow God, when in verse 5 it says that God will be the judge. God will be the ultimate one that sets the standard. And so they have to give an account or they have to defend from a position with words. And Peter gives two ways of living and, and two ways of security as options. He says you can either live in the flesh and trust in self or you can live in the spirit and trust the changes that God brings in your life. So you can be physically alive and yet spiritually dead. You realize that you can be physically alive and yet spiritually dead. It's as if you are walking around as a dead person before Christ. There's an artist who wrote a song recently about this. Watch this video.
never found I'm trying to find six feet on the ground I know the weight of all of my sin Fighting the fight that I couldn't win Says for the sake of your prayers. 
Why would Peter say that? Because when we are clear-headed, when we're able to think and discern between what is right and wrong, we know better how to pray for ourselves in the battle, and we know better how to pray for those that are trying to get us to join them in the cultural norms. And so he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. When our passions are considered, do you sometimes fight in inner battle? I know that, that Paul did, and, and I do on occasion, where I, I think uh, there's this wrestling on the inside of me. And I, and I think it's so appropriate. Paul wrote in Romans 7, he says in verse 15, and the whole passage is 13 through 25, he says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Well, that describes a lot of us. We tend to give in to those that want us to join them in the things that are not of God. Peter is exhorting us to be clear-headed so we can discern the truth amidst the chaos and the confusion. Then we know how to pray. Then we know what to do. Peter gives us a list of how we can apply this new passion for living with other Christians. The first one is to love with sincerity. To love with sincerity. The, the word love there is that word agape. It's not phileo, it's not eros. It's a self-sacrificing love. It means to not just tolerate, but purposefully seek out the good of another. So we have the ability to love with sincerity all the time. And then it says it covers a multitude of sin. And what does sin do? Well, sin ruins life, doesn't it? But it destroys and it separates. And what does love require? Love requires that we show forgiveness and sacrifice. You know, we can, we can love one another within the body of Christ. And, and sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's difficult. But we're also called to love those outside the body of Christ those that are still in that culture of seeking after self. I wanted to, to encourage you to go to a website. It's called blesseveryhome.com. And then you can put in your address and it'll, take, it'll set up an account and you can see who lives in your neighborhood and you can begin to pray. And I would encourage you during this time of, of social separation that... Um, that we take the opportunity to walk our neighborhoods and pray for those in our neighborhood. My hope is that as we do this during this social distancing that we're in the middle of, that when it is over, we'll be able to go to our neighbors and, and let them know that we've been praying for them through this. Bless Every Home will give you a list and send you an email list of your neighbors each morning. It's just a list of five or six people. Um, and then it will uh, guide you in how to pray for them for that particular day. So I would encourage you to take advantage of that resource as we move forward in this. So love with sincerity. Secondly, host with generosity. Host with generosity. That's difficult in this time because we're not even supposed to bring anybody into our home. It's supposed to be pretty limited, isn't it? Yet, I think it's very appropriate that we host with generosity, there are ways that we can do this. And it says, host with generosity without grumbling. There's a Greek word that, for without grumbling that is 
it's a pretty amazing word. It, the word is gagismos. And it just sounds messy, doesn't it? That's, that's what grumbling brings to the idea of hospitality. Is when we complain, we have an inner voice complaining about what we have to do for somebody else. It takes all the joy out of it. It's mess. It's a mess. And we become discontent followers of Christ because we're not being hospitable to those around us. There are creative ways that we can, we can navigate social distancing. And we can still host with generosity. Thirdly, speak with authority. Speaking the truth of God with humility, as did the prophets. You would say, well, wait a minute, they were super bold. Yes, they were. But I believe they did it with humility. They went into a city and said, thus says, thus says God, thus says the Lord. And they realized that they were but vessels and messengers of the truth of God. And we can take the truth of God into our culture and do it with grace and humility so that people see the mind of Christ through us. Lastly, to serve with energy. Yeah, it's tough during these times to, to have the energy to do things. We either get used to laying around because we can't be around others, or we're busy doing other things and just kind of takes the, the energy out of us. God's strength enables us to serve even when we don't feel like it. When I was with the North American Mission Board and doing some world changer projects, we would be on cruise and we would go out to a home on a Monday morning and we'd meet the resident and we would show up and say, we're here and our job this week is to take the roof off your house and to put it back by the end of the week. Well, I don't know if you're like me, the thought of 10 teenagers and two adults um, coming to my house and tearing off a roof would terrify me. And we would start the week with lots of energy. Tearing off the roof, it, it happened fast. And then putting the roof back on started to go slow. And by midweek, people were tired. But as we started to get toward the end of the week, I think there was some divine intervention there where the energy of God was pushed through those teenagers to finish that project. And it was an amazing thing to stand back and look at a finished roof and be able to declare that God gave us the energy and the strength to complete this task in just one week. See, God will provide the strength that we need when we trust Him. So you've been gifted by God for His glory and by His grace. And so Peter concludes this section of Scripture. He says, um, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And then he kind of throws this exclamation point, Amen, on the end of it. He's saying, so be it. So be it that we suffer like Christ, that we take on the mind of Christ in the middle of a culture that wants to draw us in. And we begin to change our passions so that we love and we serve and we speak as we wrap up this morning. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Is your life characterized by Centreco with the world or with Christ? Maybe you find yourself syncing up with more of the world than you do God. 
And you've got to consider that this morning. And is that where you want to be? Second question, are you finding ways to serve as a good steward of God's grace? God's gifted each one of us for accomplishing his purpose. And this is a great time to do that. See, the context of 1 Peter, you remember who he's writing to? He's writing to exiles that are stressed, they're frustrated, they have anxiety, they're likely uncertain about their future, and yet they are being called to live a life for Christ even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. They were squeezed and they were cut. And what happens when you're squeezed, the things on the inside tend to come out, right? Watch this video from Isaiah. So I was cutting this tree down, or this limb, and like all of this water is like filtered inside. It's kind of crazy. I could drink that. I guess if I had to. Weird. See, as we live in this culture, we're going to get cut, we're going to get squeezed, and the question is, what's going to come out? What are you leaking when circumstances are less than optimal? And we understand normal, when normal changes, it shakes us. And we must be like the man who built his house, not on the sand, but on the rock. And we must trust Christ. So this week, as we consider this idea of switching passions and stewarding grace, let's be the people of God that he's called us to be. I'm going to give you a final word after we pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for, the, for your word this morning. Father, live through us for your glory this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we wrap up this morning, let me give you a couple of suggestions. You may want to find a quiet place if you find yourself syncing up more with the world than you do Christ. It may require you to go to Psalm 51 where David prayed, return to me the joy of my salvation. Or 1 John 1, 9, for it says if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you may need to find a quiet place to get with God and do some business with him and allow him to speak to you about where your loyalties are. Secondly, second suggestion is find someone, find a way to serve those within the body of Christ and to serve those outside the body of Christ this week. There are a lot of ways that you can do it. Phone calls, special gifts, just driving by and saying hi is a way to minister to those around you, especially during this time of confusion and fear and anxiety. Remember, we don't fear what the world can do to us. We trust God that is bigger than anything. We trust the God who is steadfast, he's a stronghold, and he is our refuge. So let's go live like the child of the king that we've been called to be. Let's live with the mind of Christ, and let's steward the 
God's gifts, the God's, God's gifts of grace with a passion that cannot be equaled by anything of this world. May God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.